This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As far as this third game that we are recording after the umpires decided to take all the players off the field, and I don't think they'll restart, but again, if you're listening right now, you'd know the answer. Nimmo gets hurt in the fifth inning, diving really an inning earlier when he dove for that fly ball and he missed it. Ronnie Mauricio gives you a little defensive miscue by not being able to catch a pop-up off the bat of Nick Fortes, but it was all bailed out by David Peterson, who put together, in a lot of ways, one of the best starts of his major league career, especially because Buck pushed him. Six innings, no runs, he had walked four guys, he had thrown 98 pitches, and Buck said, you're not done. Why not? Your next start, well... You may not have a next start. (laughs) Your next appearance may be pitching in Port St. Lucie, Florida, when you audition to become a left-handed arm out of the bullpen. So I may as well push you. And he responded with a 1-2-3-7th inning. I thought that was very impressive. He capped off his season 113 pitches, seven scoreless innings. While it doesn't change my view on him, I don't think it changes anybody's view on him, kudos to David Peterson. Now let's get to the weirdest effing part of this game. Because everything about this was so crazy. The Marlins have the bases loaded. This was actually in that fifth inning when Ronnie Mauricio extended the inning by not being able to catch that pop-up. There's a ground ball to shortstop, and Francisco uh, Lindor decides, I'm going to throw to second base. I throw to second base. Even though he clearly had enough time to throw to first, get the third out, inning is over. Great, David Peterson escapes. He throws to second. It's clearly not in time. And Xavier Edwards, who's running into second base, falls off second base, which allows Mauricio, who's on top of him, to tag him. Great. I think that part is pretty clear. He's out. He overran the base. But did the run score in time? So now we're all looking to see. Did he score first? Because this is now a timing play since it's no longer a force out. He was safe at second. He was out upon rounding second base. So all this to me is like, okay, makes sense. But now we got to see, did the run score? 
And it's clear the run did not score. So instead of it being one nothing Marlins, it should be 0-0. But what was so fascinating to me, because I don't really think the play is that complicated, and I think I described it decently well, if you didn't see it, is that the umpire, who's announcing the challenge, made it seem like it was the most confusing thing of all time. So the Mets are challenging this, and the Marlins are challenging And then it took eight minutes. <laughs> they couldn't figure it out. And I'm watching this saying, it's pretty easy. He overran second. He's out, clearly. He did not score in time, the runner from third. Run doesn't count. And it may have been one of the longest delays I think I've ever seen for replay. Or maybe the second longest delay I've ever seen. But they finally get it right. The run doesn't score. yippity doo da. And then Rafael Ortega gets the supposed game-winning hit in the eighth inning. And the Met bullpen blows it in the ninth inning. Then it starts raining. Then the umpires say, let's stop. And here we are. Here we are. Now let's get to McNeil. So this one was surprising. Jeff McNeil didn't play the second game of the doubleheader last night, the game or the game on Wednesday, the game I was at. I didn't really think much of it. And then on Thursday, he was placed on the injured list with what they're calling a partially torn UCL. Now, a partially torn UCL usually means Tommy John surgery. That's a serious thing. Jason Dominguez of the Yankees has had it. We know about all the pitchers that have had it, but and I tried my darndest. I went on the internet doing a lot of research on this. It's not his throwing shoulder. I want, I want to remind you, it is his left shoulder. So the Mets are saying PPR treatment, no surgery recommended, should be, go to, should be good to go for spring training. What I don't know, and I was sitting there on the internet trying to figure it out, is what if he does need Tommy John surgery, but it's his non-throwing shoulder? Like, it's still serious. Batting, it will still affect you. But in terms of recovery time, would it actually be less because it's not a throwing shoulder? I don't know the answer. But it's important that the Mets not F this up for two reasons. Number one, I think is value trade-wise, if you are a proponent of trading Jeff McNeil, I don't know what it does to his value, but it certainly can't help. And then the second part is, if you're not trading him, and I kind of tend to think they're not. And the more I think about it, because I think of his value as a player, of his ability to play anywhere in the outfield and look good at it, his ability to play second base. That I, push comes to shove, I doubt they're going to trade him, especially coming off a mediocre year and especially coming off an injury. But they're going to need him next year. And the last thing you want to have to start 2024 is in the middle of February, they realize, yeah, he needs surgery. And now he's out for the year. Like, is that not a fear? when you hear partially torn UCL, but he doesn't need surgery. But again, just a reminder, it's his left shoulder. And great job by the Mets. I guess Buck was specific about it. This, the time the injury occurred was identified, which was that weird play, if you remember. It was on September 11th on that Monday. So I don't know how many people watched this game because it was Aaron Rodgers' four-snap performance as a Jet. Remember that whole thing? Yeah, yeah, we all remember. But there was a play at second base. Tommy Pham actually made the throw, and there was a really awkward collision slide at second base with Jeff McNeil, and his shoulder got banged around, and that's where he got hurt, which leads to a follow-up question. Why was he playing for the last two weeks? 
I mean, or two, yeah, two weeks, because that was September 11th. So that is, you know, 16 days later before the Mets realize, hey, what's going on here? So it's a fair question to wonder about, but it, it sucks. I think when a guy gets hurt at the end of the year, you kind of shrug, like even Nimmo leaving this game, you shrug and say, well, it's the off season. It's not a big deal, whatever. Season's over. Let's move on. The fear is when you hear it can be serious, where it could actually impact you in 2024. And while the report right now from the Mets is no surgery, he should be fine. What we need to figure out, and I'm curious about is, what if he does need surgery? How different would his recovery time be? Because it is his non-throwing shoulder. That, I don't know the answer to. But we have approached the final series of the year. The New York Mets against the Philadelphia Phillies, a completely meaningless series at City Field because the Phillies are going to the postseason, and that's pretty much locked. It is locked up. Nothing's going to change that as they are kind of approaching a 90-win season in which they'll be wild card team number one with home games in Philadelphia. And really, what are we approaching? You know, trying to avoid 90 losses as if that means anything. It really doesn't. You know, where they are in the standings because of the lottery, I've given up caring about it because it is a lottery. We all know the situation about where they could be moved draft pick-wise if they don't pick within the top six, but it's crazy to worry about, well, where are they with the Pirates? Where are they with this? It doesn't matter. It's a lottery. We'll find out after the season, whenever the hell they have this lottery, and I forgot when they do have this lottery. I should look into that. In fact, I will. I'll Google that at some point. We'll talk about it on the last Rico. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. But right now, it's just about, you know what this final series is about? I'll be honest with you, especially at home. This final series is about saying goodbye. Saying goodbye to this god-awful season, but saying goodbye to the companion that is baseball. Because while the playoffs are fun, and I'll be into it, and some of us will be into it, the everyday nature of seeing your baseball team is about to end. And I think last year we never kind of thought about it because you didn't want it to end and you weren't sure when it was going to end. But when you have a crappy season like this, you know it's ending. And the weekend against the Philadelphia Phillies will be the end. One other thing, and this will get into the offseason discussions, and we'll have a lot of them. I started writing down all the different Ricos we'll be doing during the offseason. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. Including our playoff guide of rooting. That one I'm really pumped up about. But there was a report a few days ago that the San Diego Padres plan to reduce their payroll to about $200 million. And so when you hear that, I think the first reaction is, yeah, baby, what do we got? Who are they selling? One guy that's going to be a question is Juan Soto. Juan Soto is without a shadow of a doubt going to be at least a big trade rumor for this offseason. Doesn't mean the Padres are definitely going to trade him, but it makes sense that it's a possibility with one year left of control before Soto is a free agent. 
and the amount of long-term deals they have already locked up between Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. and Xander Bogarts and Hugh Darvish. Like, it would make sense that if they haven't worked out an extension now, and they're not going to, Soto will definitely get to free agency. I'd be stunned if he ever agreed to a contract now that the Padres would have to entertain training him. And does he make sense for the Mets? Look, Juan Soto makes sense for anybody. He is a tremendous offensive player. I will give you this warning about Juan Soto. And don't take this as the Mets shouldn't trade for him or the Yankees shouldn't trade for him. Juan Soto will piss you off very quickly. What I mean by that is he's a great player. He will put up the big numbers. He will hit 30 home runs. He will drive in 100 runs. He has the best eye in all of Major League Baseball. But I believe sometimes when a guy is that patient and a guy looks for his pitch as consistently as Juan Soto, and you're acquiring him, he's not your guy, you haven't seen him develop, you're paying him a ton of money, you're giving up a ton of prospects to get him, that there will be this rip of Juan Soto. And this goes for Met fans or Yankee fans. There will be this rip of Juan swing the bleeping bat. I was talking to my dad about this at City the other night. And he said, do you mean like Vogelback? And I said, no, nah, it's not like Vogelback because Soto's better. Like no one's saying he's not a great player. He's a great player. But sometimes those kinds of players can be frustrating. Joey Votto can be frustrating. You know who I remember hearing this about? Dog. When I was a kid, and I listened to Mike and the Mad Dog, Chris Russo used to say this about Wade Box. He would say, and I'm not doing the dog imitation because it's just going to, all right, fine. And it's a way box. Always looking for a walk. I always looking for a walk. Sometimes you got to swing the back and get a hit. And I remember that as a kid. And I was like, I kind of get what he's saying. Like, walks aren't bad, obviously, especially in this day and age. We love the walk. I mean, Jet Williams is a top, top prospect, mainly because he's got the greatest batter's eye ever for a 19-year-old. So it's not that it's a bad thing. It's that I'm telling you, you save this audio, this will happen. It can sometimes be frustrating. Yeah, I can hear it now. This guy wants $500 million, and all he does is look for a walk. Soto will be a great Met, or will, I, I hope would be a great Met, but he will be a frustrating Met. I'm just putting that out there. Just, I'm just letting you know, that's a friendly warning. As far as the rest of the Padres, here are the guys to really keep an eye on. They're free agents because they're not going to re-sign them. If they're not going to $200 million or if that's their cutoff, that means that their free agents are gone. And here are the free agents to keep an eye on. Blake Snell has run away with the National League Cy Young. I thought a few weeks ago it was Justin Steele's. I think Blake Snell has earned it. I would stay away from Blake Snell. Congratulations on your second Cy Young, doing it in a different league, which is an amazing accomplishment. And I can't deny what Blake Snell's done down the stretch. He's been unhittable. But the walks, the long, long at-bats, the high pitch counts, the fact that he never goes seven innings, you're going to have to give this guy an insane amount of money, and it reeks of a disaster. It reeks of it going badly. So Blake Snell, hard pass. Number two, Josh Hader. The appeal of Josh Hader is the super pen. 
I mean, well, who the hell wouldn't want a bullpen that features two of the best closers in all of Major League Baseball? But I have a concern about Josh Hader. I have a concern that Josh Hader can't get four outs. That's a thing. Like, Josh Hader doesn't want to pitch more than an inning. And if Josh Hader comes to New York, is he going to be okay with the fact that he's not the closer? Now, Buck Showalter, assuming he is the manager of this team next year, and I, I don't know if that's the case, but even if he isn't, whether it's Craig Council, Buck, or someone else, we now live in a world in which a guy will predominantly pitch the ninth inning, but he may not always pitch the ninth inning. Sometimes you may use, as we saw with Diaz last year, you may use him in the eighth inning. So it's not Hader will never pitch the ninth inning, but would he be okay in a bullpen like that? And also financially, the Mets may spend a lot of money, and that's great. Are they going to be willing to put out that kind of contract for another reliever? So they will be stacked with relievers that they're paying a fortune to. I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll add relievers. I do not think they'll be aggressive for Josh Hader. And the third guy to keep an eye on, because he does have a player option, is Seth Lugo. Should we? I'm coming home. I'm coming. (laughs) You know what's funny, though, about Seth Lugo? Seth Lugo had a good year. Uh, We had an email about him a couple weeks ago, so we talked about that contract and really why I didn't have any regrets about the Mets not keeping him. I look at the Met offseason in terms of the kind of pitchers they need to add this way. I want a top-line guy, specifically that's Yamamoto. I want a project guy, high-reward, kind of a low-risk deal. That's Severino, in my eyes. That's the example, Severino. And then I would want like just a solid back of the rotation. That guy feels reliable. And those are very tough to find. Now, I think Jose Quintana is like that, but someone else. And Lugo could fit that if you believe that what he did this year is kind of what he's going to be. I would love to add three starting pitchers during the offseason. I kind of think it'll be two, but three would be very, very nice. But we have a lot of time to get into this offseason. We will as this regular season ends, which will happen Sunday. On Sunday, when this season ends, we will do a podcast wrapping up the three games against Philadelphia, and then instantly, it's going to happen on Sunday, right after we talk about the series. We instantly, since the playoff teams are set, give you a guide to the postseason, because we don't have a lot of time. Now, caveat on this whole thing. What if the Mets have to play five minutes on Monday? (laughs) We will give you a podcast on Monday if they have to play five minutes. We'll also do what we call the exit interview of 2023. What happened? The good, the bad, the ugly, kind of our first last thoughts on this season. Last first thoughts on the 2023 season as it gets put in the bank. Also, your thoughts are greatly appreciated. The Rico B at gmail.com. The Rico B at gmail.com. Very much appreciated. But we will spend a lot more time talking about this team, what went right, what went wrong. Very much that went right, and obviously begin to preview what will be a very, very interesting offseason. Again, I want to thank the Major League Baseball umpires for giving us the possibility of chaos. We love chaos. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.